welcome to This Week Explained. I am Tiana. And I'm Kerbin. And welcome to the first installment of This Week Explained for the year 2023. A lot. Uh, oh, no. That's the wrong one. Sorry. <laughs> no, I don't have it. <laughs> there you go, guys. Play ball. All right. Sorry, I interrupted you. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. You you have been you've been trying to find ways to incorporate sound effects into What's this. Happening? Oh my gosh! Well, I hate to break it to you, darling, but that sound did not make sense. But it's very thank you, thank you. <laughs> it's, it's very creative. Tested. Nobody <laughs> and nobody was expecting it. I can assure you of that. So you surprised that's, everyone. That, All right, that's what we're to do. <laughs> we're to do things uh, people don't expect. Yeah, right, that's, well, that's one thing that we're doing in 2023. Anyways, yes. there is a lot going on here at Oakland Analytics. And would you like to discuss what we've been teasing out this week? Yeah, and and interject whatever with, with the stuff that you've been seeing mm. as we've both been. Thank you for a, giving me permission, sir. Well, Thank you. I mean, some people might not know. It is a legitimate team effort right now between the two of us. So, so here's what we're doing. All right. Right now we're we're putting the finishing touches on our first <clears throat> weekly newsletter. And so everyone who signs up with their email will have access through the month of January to that newsletter. Now starting in February, it is going to only be sent to those who subscribe to our community. And where can these lovely people add their emails to the list? So everybody who's on our follows us on Instagram knows you can click <clears throat> on the link on our main page and it'll take you right to that. Also, I'll put it in the show notes. So if you want to pause this right now, go look in the show notes. Or look at it after because it's not going anywhere. It is not. Yeah, it's not going anywhere. But yeah, you can you can click on that link, set up your put up your email. I do want to say one one thing. Well, I'll say it. I'll say it later. What? You, can, you can go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> well, what what were you going to say to anyone who's nervous to share their email? So. I wanted I, I wanted to be 100% transparent with people because I mean we're we're an independent company. We're, we're yeah. an independent private intelligence agency. So what does that mean? It means we're not funded by major corporations. We don't get funding from, you know, Ontic, all these big intel companies. We are our own entity. Mm-hmm. And so we are not releasing your information to anybody. No. Outside of Oakland Analytics. That's um, one of my biggest pet peeves is when you sign up for something, you get emails from a plethora of other companies that you don't care about. I hate it. Yep. So you're not going to find your email Yeah. sent to those other subscription companies that's going to just give you advertisements to try to sign up for them. We're, we're curating a small, you know, fact-finding community, people mm-hmm. who want just the facts. And we want to stay independent so that we yeah. can provide the community with factual information. Those of you who are part of the community, you're going to be the ones changing how we do things. And and our integrity is at the top of that. So if you see anything that we're doing that you have questions about, please reach out. Yeah. And also, I want to say that is not the only thing that we are working on. We actually have several really cool things that we're trying to work some kinks out of. But we've got a lot more coming for you guys this year. So please just sign on up for that email oh also we forgot to mention that it's twice a week yep the email yes. the the newsletters are twice a week yeah so you want me to explain that a little bit yeah yeah um, explain that a little bit 
So Mondays, Monday mornings, before before you go into work or school or wherever you go in on Monday morning, you will receive an email that is going to basically outline what happened over the weekend and get you prepared for the week ahead. So it's mm-hmm. going to have a bunch of, of information turned into intelligence that we form insights, and you're going to get those insights with with a deep in-depth coverage of all of the, the great geopolitical events that are happening. I mean, kind of outlining what happened over the yep. weekend as well. Yes. And things to look out for the week ahead. Look out yeah, for the week ahead. And we'll also have some interesting articles that might be outside the realm of geopolitics and, and intelligence analysis. I've got a couple of them that we've text, texted back and forth, you and I, Tia, mm-hmm. that, that we'll probably put into that. But these are just cool little things that are happening in science and technology and that those kind of industries. So you'll okay. also get that. And then on Friday is the companion to the podcast. Yeah. So you are going to get all of the what's on our radar for this week but it is going to be broken down from not what what happened but the insights on what the future holds for each of those so it's not stuff you're going to really hear here on the podcast but it's going to be an add-on to the podcast if you want to read more about what is happening all right well thank you Kervin, for explaining that the podcast took a brief break over the holidays and we enjoyed it thoroughly it was so wonderful But the world, of course, did not stop providing geopolitical events. So, please, sir, what is on your radar this week? I mean, obviously, Russia, Ukraine. We're we're going to talk about (laughs) that until a peace deal is it comes about, and and we'll talk about this week how a peace deal might be far into the future. But we're going to pivot from there to talk Burkina Faso and why it expelled the French ambassador to Burkina Mm -hmm. Faso. Also, China is starting to focus. Well, they have been focusing on the Arctic, but they are increasing their focus on the Arctic. North Korea, as we all know, wants to become a nuclear superpower. And they are showing that in what they've been doing over the last two weeks. Oh, yeah. We'll get into U.S. and South Korean joint exercises, which is kind of focused at deterring North Korea from becoming a a nuclear superpower. There was a double agent inside Germany's intelligence agency that was Ooh. found out and uncovered and arrested. We'll talk. Jeez. We'll discuss that. And I'm going to end it with the geopolitics of 2023. We're going to do a rundown on the stories that I'm looking at to change geopolitics in 2023. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Okay, so what is the big news coming out of the war in Ukraine? Well, so there's not much movement on the ground in Ukraine, but mm-hmm. both of those countries are using the winter months to attack each other from a distance. So they're using a mix of, both of them are using a mix of missiles and drones to damage military positions. Is this what the war is going to look like for the rest of the winter? So that is my analysis of this of the current situation for the winter. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a couple of months of continued back and forth with these drones and missiles. Well, what about peace negotiations? Are those on the horizon at all? Now, I'm gonna. I've, I've said this quote before, but I'll revert back to it. The, the old John Mulaney quote of, "Not unless everyone gets really cool about a lot of stuff really quickly." <laughs> That's one of my favorites. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, taking that 
epic quote into account. What are the things the two countries need to get really cool about really quickly? Yeah, it is one of my favorite quotes, and it's so true in this situation. Yeah. I'm gonna, I want to break down each country's demands and why the other won't agree to it. Okay. So I'll start with Ukraine. Okay. They want Russian troops completely removed from the country. And after that, they have asked to include all the annexed regions that Russia annexed from Crimea to... Ah. Yeah. So they want all those returned. So not just the things annexed during this conflict, but Crimea. Yep. that's It's going to include Crimea. And I mean, I'm sure everybody listening knows, but I could tell you if you don't know, that is a non-starter for Russia. Crimea... But also, it's a, they've talked about it being a non-starter for the recently annexed regions. So that's something else to... Well, uh, didn't they annex parts of Ukraine that were already sympathetic towards the Russian cause anyways? That's, Isn't that- that's what they've said. And there's a lot of research and analysis that goes into that that's, that states that a majority of true. those people are Russian and, and they do identify as Russian. Okay. Uh, but the leadership within those were Ukrainian. And it was a Ukrainian. Those were Ukrainian regions. And so Ukraine wants those back. Yeah, I understandable. Would, I view more towards a mediated voting, not the one that Russia did. Mm-hmm. But if they could get sort of a, a NATO mediator or a UN mediator to come in and pull a vote in those regions, and those regions say, "Yeah, we want to stay Russian," I would, I, for me personally, that would suffice to me that they want to be. Russian. Yeah, I mean, it's supposed to be about the populace. Yeah. You know, what they want, you know, governments are supposed to help with the people. They're supposed to. Supposed to. But anyways. <laughs> yeah, we won't get into that's another two hour conversation on what governments are supposed to be doing and what they are actually well, doing. Hey, you know, yeah. I don't work in the government. Yeah, well, I don't know. I that's don't know. a dig at me. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was not. So <clears throat> let's get back to what yes. what we need to be talking about. So if that is Russia's non-starter, what is Russia demanding that Ukraine will not capitulate to? So Russia's demands are Ukraine's recognition that Crimea is Russian. It is a Russian-occupied region, and so it should be Russia. Mm. They want independence for those recently annexed regions like Luhansk and Donetsk. And they want a complete demilitarization and denazification of Ukraine's (laughs) government and military. And Ukraine said hard pass on all of those. Yeah, yeah. So Ukraine feels, even with the bombings and loss of infrastructure, that they're mm-hmm. winning the war. So this is the moment where they have the most leverage. And we've discussed that before. President Zelensky feels like he's got the leverage here. Yeah, he's gotten um, super cocky. Yeah. And and they are winning the battles on the ground. And they've also gotten into Russia with some drones and, and done some destruction. You know what they say, though, don't count your chickens before they hatch. Don't get too cocky. Yeah. Now, Ukraine is not going to recognize Crimea as Russian. They're just not going to do it, let yeah. alone recognize those recently annexed regions. Hmm. So the, the interesting one is the demilitarization and denazification of Ukraine. Um, mm-hmm. They want that, the, the government and the military. And that, in their opinion and my opinion is an absurd demand. First, Ukraine doesn't view their entities as Nazified. I have seen nothing to prove outside of Russian propaganda that Ukraine is Nazified. Mm-hmm. And what country is going to agree to complete demilitarization? You know, yeah. No country is going to do that unless it's completely overrun. 
That yeah, that doesn't make sense. That sounds like something that would happen in an occupied country. Like their military would be yeah, you know, disbanded. Yeah, you know, it's it's something we did with Iraq. Yeah, not we, the U.S. But uh, <laughs> you and me together. Yeah, I, I mean, I participated in that. But as as soon as Baghdad fell, the the government and the military just went away. We we asked them to do away with their you know the Saddam regime completely, mm-hmm. do away with that, and then also. The military, which was aligned with Saddam Hussein, so it has happened in the past, but they didn't really agree to that. <laughs> we, you know, that's where that overrun Forced. kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, well, all that makes sense. That seems like a well-informed update on that situation in Ukraine. So let's move on to Africa with big news of more nations on that continent removing French entities from their borders. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, so for me, this is the big story of of the week of the last two weeks you love burkina faso i do love burkina faso i fought to to not leave that place yeah and then they had a coup well (laughs) i'm gonna leave sometimes i don't make good decisions that was not your decision that was someone else's poor decision that's that's true but uh, you're right i I do love the the country of burkina faso had a lot of fun Mm. there great people yeah Um, so they their military junta which is what their government is right now expelled Mm -hmm. France's ambassador. This is amid a surge in anti-French sentiment on the continent as African nations are moving to develop closer ties with Russia. So is this like the Wagner group's fault? Yeah. Okay, well, this is big news for you because of the extent to which Russia has been increasing its role on the continent. Yeah, that and because it it actually gives us a view on how effective Russian misinformation is on the continent. So what is the Russian misinformation that you feel is having an effect on the decision-making process in that country? So it's Russia's use of anti-colonialization propaganda across all of Africa. But they're trying to, like, yeah. replace French. They, they're basically trying to colonize it themselves. Yep. Okay. Kervin, that's not propaganda. France <laughs> and the UK have a history of bad practices in colonizing various third world world countries. I, I don't even yep. know if that's like a proper term anymore, saying third world countries. Third world, I'd have to look up. It is the official term still. It is? But, okay. Yeah. I'm just, uh, yeah. I'm going to make sure I... Developing nations, that's another good... Develop, I, I think I like developing nations. More, yeah. Because third world country has a negative connotation a, to it. Yeah, as it's if kind there's of a thrown hierarchy. Around, it's kind of thrown around out there whenever people think... A country is below them. Yep. Or not as developed as their country. It's kind of, yeah, like a hierarchy kind of thing. We're yes, a first we world with... country. <laughs> oh my God. First world they problems. Milk. They didn't put oat milk in my Starbucks this morning. First world problems. <laughs> so we <laughs> go right, with sorry. developing nations. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. Let's just, go with developing nations. I like that one. Yeah. And, and you're, you're right. You're 100% correct. I'm not trying to diminish the fact that, or, or the amount of damage mm-hmm. that those countries have done to developing countries like Mali, India, mm. Burkina Faso, the list goes on and on, and it's all throughout Africa. Yeah. But 
honestly, something doesn't have to be false to fall under the category of misinformation or propaganda. Oh, okay. Um, It's actually more beneficial to piece together tidbits of truth and then use that to push your own agenda. Okay, well, can you expound on that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So I'll give a few pieces of my own opinion towards (laughs) the end, though, uh, just so everybody knows that. uh, It's your opinion. Yeah, I'll tease that out as soon as I'm going to be saying it. Okay. So what Russia's doing here is piggybacking off of that anti-colonialization movement to mm-hmm. promote their own agenda, which would be gaining more access to the, those rich, rich resources on the African continent. Mostly, they want to mine the minerals on the continent and recoup the money that they lost due to Western sanctions based off of their invasion of Ukraine. Ugh. Now, the other major action from Russia is that they want to build military bases in Africa. With that said... My opinion is we could see that continent used as a battlefield in a future global conflict. The U.S. Oh, has gosh. our own bases there. And uh, so to have Russia, China's building up bases in Djibouti, in, on the, on the Western, in the Western Sahel, they're also trying to build a base. So that is what Russia's trying to do. Now, it also wants more access given to what you described, the Wagner Group. Mm-hmm. They want more access for that group, which could prevent access to foreign hostages still being held on the continent. Now, the U.S. has a few hostages that are being held by terrorist groups on the continent of Africa. If they completely remove Western nations from Africa, we'd have a very difficult time of returning those hostages back to their family. So there's a lot to unpack there. We are going to do a bunch of deep dives into Russia's plans for Africa on a, the subscriber-only blog that we're going to be doing. Yeah, so let's move on to China and then something of a new topic, I think. China is increasing their presence in the Arctic. Mm -hmm. What is the goal there? Yeah, so that is a very interesting topic. So I've been going through this Brookings Institute research paper to pinpoint the why for why China feels the Arctic is important to them. And what have you found? Well, China honestly has long considered the Arctic to be important to its strategic, economic, and environmental interests. China's been buying stake in a Russian energy initiative. Russia is huge in the Arctic and Antarctic, all those cold nations, cold continents. Mm-hmm. So China has has bought a stake in that in 2013. Also, China's collaboration with Russia on establishing a global transport condor via the Northern Sea Route, so this is the Northern Arctic, you said has, condor. Oh, well, I meant corridor. <laughs> so China's collaboration with Russia on establishing a, a global transport corridor. There we go. Via the North Sea route. <laughs> yeah. That's garnered a lot of attention. That's because analysts say that this route is approximately 40% faster than mm. via the Suez Canal. So that's significantly reducing fuel costs, among you know other time, other things, saving time, getting to places quicker. Yeah. So what does that mean for geopolitics? Well, it's all going to be based off of the mounting tensions between the United States and China. There's this this battle between the U.S., China, Russia for global influence, and that's going <clears> to <throat> put both the U.S. and China on a collision course. And it's it's honestly it could be a wild card in the list of possible conflict regions. So maybe China pushes back its desired... I'm not saying this is what is going to happen. Mm-hmm. I'm just, just saying that if they chose to, they could push back their desired invasion timeline of Taiwan mm-hmm. and just focus more on getting control of the Arctic environment. 
Well, new year, new regions for conflict. Yep, same me. <laughs> same me, though. <laughs> and speaking of terrible starts to 2023, North Korea hasn't slowed down their activities on the Korean Peninsula. What is the latest about their desire to become a nuclear superpower? And then can we discuss what South Korea and the U.S. are doing to counter that? Yeah, we'll do that. Um, I, I like starting off with what North Korea has been doing. This mm -hmm. is so this is the story that's coming out of 2022 and into the first week of 2023, because North Korea is just continuing to test fire ballistic missiles and then fly drones into South Korean airspace. They have not stopped or slowed down. As we said goodbye to 2022, and the moment we said hello to whatever 2023 has to offer, North Korean leader Kim Jong-un ordered the expansion of his country's nuclear arsenal and the development of a more powerful intercontinental ballistic missile. Well, that has to be slightly concerning for South Korea and other nearby countries like Japan. It is concerning, but, you know, all of all the nations have known this for a while. Mm -hmm. Kim has repeatedly vowed to boost both the quality and quantity of his nuclear arsenal to cope with what he calls U.S. hostility. Then let's pivot a bit to South Korea and talk about their planned joint exercises with the U.S. to deter Kim from expanding his nuclear arsenal. I don't think that's going to work, but well, I mean, yeah. they can try. <laughs> but so the interesting thing is, is it's kind of having an opposite effect, if that's the right term, opposite effect, because... Right now, what we're seeing is conflicting reports from South Korea and the United States about what exactly those joint exercises will look like. Well, how so? So first, what happened was the White House, the, the U.S. White House, put out a statement saying U.S. President Biden and South Korean President Yoon will coordinate an, effect, an effective response to North Korea's nuclear use. The South Korean presidential office then released a statement claiming discussions with U.S., over joint nuclear operations were underway, which was followed then by a statement from the White House because Joe Biden had made a statement saying mm -hmm. that that report is basically false because it would be difficult to hold a joint nuclear exercise when South Korea is not a nuclear state. So petty. Yes. So South Korea is still claiming that talks are underway to make <sighs> South Korea a nuclear state. Okay. Well, that's a lot. Uh, can we start with South Korea becoming a nuclear power? Is that an option in the near future? I don't really see that happening. Okay, well, why not? North Korea is a nuclear power. Shouldn't they have a right to build their own arsenal? You know, to protect themselves, maybe? Yep. And in a fair and perfect world, that would be what happens. But you, know, you and I know mm -hmm. we are not living in a world that is fair or perfect. No. So the... It's actually the fact that North Korea is advancing its nuclear arsenal, and Kim is the maverick that he is of world leaders, mm -hmm. that giving South Korea access to nuclear weapons could actually be the tipping point in this ongoing conflict. Didn't North and South Korea sign an agreement back in 2018 or something like that? They did. They did agree to a peace deal. The two sides stated the North Korean peninsula must be turned into a land of peace, free from, listen to this, nuclear weapons and nuclear mm -hmm. threats, meaning right. any advancements in nuclear power on the, con on the peninsula would void the agreement. So it's voided. <laughs> well. well. Okay, well, okay. Maybe not, but Kim Jong-un is broadcasting his desire to increase his nuclear arsenal. Doesn't that void it, though? 
I mean, it can if South Korea wants to go that route. I will say those discussions are happening as we speak. South Korean oh. president has claimed he has a desire to, to step away from that pact. But South Korea and the U.S. do need to tiptoe that fine line of putting up a strong defense while not provoking an already trigger-happy leader. So what do you think these ex- exercises will actually look like? I mean, it's going to be the same as always. They're going to have war gaming, there'll be <laughs> tabletop exercises, and then they're 100% going to do multiple joint military flyovers. And those flyovers are going to be that tangible deterrent to North Korea random little sidebar here but i love the movie war games <laughs> yeah it's a great movie the, the, the second the second you said the word war gaming i just immediately pictured baby matthew broderick <laughs> in my head <laughs> and and so with war games you're, yeah if you watch the movie war games you kind of get a sense for how um you know like an operation center is set up and yeah how these war games typically play out so if you watch that movie, you can get a sense of what I'm talking about with the war gaming between U.S. and South Korea. Well, <clears throat> we are certainly in for an exciting start to the year that <laughs> usually isn't a good thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hello, January 6th. Hello. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Today. Yeah. Well, oh my when gosh, it's released. It... Two years. Yes. Two yeah. years since a bunch of a-holes yep. <laughs> stormed the Capitol. I can't right, believe well, it's been two years, and, and we won't go off on that tangent as talk about the story of us witnessing it happen. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, not kinda. personally. Witness, yeah, not personally, but you could, you knew something was going on with the amount of sirens and stuff happening. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, let's, yeah, let's move on to Germany, which is dealing with a bunch of political nightmares. But over the last couple of weeks, they've been reeling from this report that Russian dub- that a Russian double agent had infiltrated their intelligence agency. Yeah, so this happened actually December 26th, so it was right after Christmas, mm-hmm. when it was another intelligence agency actually tipped off Germany and helped identify an employee in its foreign intelligence service who was arrested then on suspicion of passing state secrets to Russia. Now, right Expelling Russian spies is nothing new for Germany. They did that in beginning in April of 2022. They sent more than 40 Russian spies back to the motherland. But what is concerning is that the person had been working unnoticed in Germany's own intelligence agency. Yeah, that agent would have access to many key secrets, and they could also be used to drum up support for Russia within the German population. Had they released what kind of information was passed to Russian intelligence? Not fully, since that information would still be deemed classified. Yeah, though, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, yeah, but Russia could theoretically release it if they wanted to. Then releasing it means they'd have to admit they were behind the espionage. So it's, <laughs> you know, yeah. That's not going to happen. Yeah. Now, while we know that they're behind it, so what would claiming it do? You know, well, claiming it publicly would lead to even greater sanctions because now they verified. (gasps) Yeah, that's true. I can say that the double agent was the head of a unit in the technical reconnaissance department. So the information they would be privy to is kind of how Germans utilize reconnaissance equipment, who or what they are gathering information on, and how to build and destroy. That's the big part of it is how to build and or destroy various pieces of reconnaissance equipment. 
And what about promoting pro-Russian propaganda? How would the agent have been able to do that? If So it's the same way like we've discussed in previous History's Mysteries. Um, mm-hmm. if, if you remember, we talked about one guy that went out to Japan and was a journalist and kind of drummed support for the U.S., for the Allies. Mm-hmm. So it'd be a lot like that, using the media to kind of float stories that look innocuous on the surface, but it provides Russian misinformation that would lead to future revolution in Germany. And this is something we've seen Russia do very effectively here in the U.S. and also in other Western countries. There are millions, not millions, sorry, <laughs> many, there's not millions of them. Billions! Yeah, breaking news, 8 billion people are Russian spies. That, oh, Lord. Uh, We're but, all... Working for them. <laughs> there, so there are many, many reports of Russian bots on Twitter mm-hmm. that duped U.S. journalists into writing pieces on things like climate change, race relations, and also abortion. And that was to just further divide the U.S. populace. Well, maybe you can find some of those articles and send them out to the community for discussion. Well, that is a good idea. I'll get them packaged up, and then I can send out the link to anyone in the community and everybody can discuss it, see what they yeah. say. Well, now you wanted to discuss what 2023 may hold for geopolitics, but I didn't hear any mention of History's Mysteries. Is that series over in 2023? It's not. I did have a great current events, History's Mysteries, but mm-hmm. um, I wanted to, I felt it prudent to discuss what 2023 could look like yeah. as far as geopolitics. Um, Makes next sense. Next week. We'll get to to that report. It's still going to be current events because there's still an investigation ongoing. Okay, well, then just go ahead. Give us the major stories you will be focusing on in 2023. And I'm sure people can guess what some of these are. Yeah, no doubt. We're going to discuss all the major players. Yeah. Russia, China, all those. But I'm also looking at some other conflicts that could change the geopolitical landscape. Well, give it to us. What's on your radar for this year? This year. Okay, so let's start real quickly with, we're not going to do a a breakdown of Russia, Ukraine. We've done that every week for over a year now. Mm -hmm. So we're just going to do the way forward. Like I said, missile and drone strikes are going to become a normal way of fighting during the cold months. Once the temperatures rise and the Russian conventional weapon arsenal is depleted, that's when you're going to see that major ground offensive from both sides ramp up. Mm-hmm. Now, if Russia continues to be unsuccessful in making gains on the ground, they're going to use a tactical nuclear weapon. I am at a greater than 50% probability on a tactical nuclear weapon being used within Ukraine to destroy infrastructure. Well, that was quick and slightly terrifying. So what else are you watching? All right, let's get to China. So as China continues to increase its role in the world and becomes an important regional and global global player... Taiwan's advantage, both economically and militarily, will be threatened. So we are going to see more threats from China towards Taiwan. Now, if America keeps up its robust presence in East Asia, it could keep the region fairly stable because that is actually preventing China from using force until they are absolutely ready. Yeah, sometimes it doesn't seem stable, but considering the alternatives in the region, mainly China and North Korea overtaking much of Asia, it is actually pretty static. What are your predictions for the region? All right, now, as we've discussed ad nauseum, China regards Taiwan as a renegade province, and it will be under Beijing's authority by 2025. In an open confrontation, if no one helps, Taiwan may at most try to halt 
the beginning Chinese onslaught, they may be able to block a beach landing by Chinese amphibious troops and then launch guerrilla operations. But that's only done while they wait for foreign assistance. They need the foreign assistance. Now, the United States, for what it's worth, has warned Beijing or have warned Beijing that the U.S. will take action if Taiwan is attacked. I don't see at this moment any scenario where China invades Taiwan in 2023. Okay, well, we'll keep a close eye on that. Do you have any other conflict that you could see breaking out and affecting the entire globe? I do have one more. Okay, so what picked your interest? So the last scenario or the the last event I want to discuss is mm-hmm. something I've been talking about for a few months now. So most most people have already heard this one, but it's the Kosovo-Serbia conflict. Yeah. Now, Kosovo broke away from Serbia in the late 1990s. If people are old enough to remember that conflict, uh, late 1990s. the fact that you have to say that. I if know. people are old <laughs> enough. Ugh. I barely yeah. remember it. Yeah. But, well, but I've served with true. people. <laughs> I've served that's with quite true. a few people who participated in the peacekeeping mission in that conflict. Okay. So after that conflict, once the peacekeeping happened, once the, the peace negotiations happened, Kosovo made a unilateral declaration of independence from Serbia. That was in 2008. Okay. But, but the ethnic Serbs that still lived there did not recognize Kosovo as an independent state. Now, we'll fast forward to this last year where tensions increased after Kosovo asked, so when I say the last year, 2022, Mm -hmm. Kosovo asked that all ethnic Serbs surrender their Serbian-issued vehicle license plates and replace them with Republic of Kosovo license plates. Mm -mm. Um, That started a brief skirmish, and the Kosovo government backtracked on that decision with the license plates. I bet they did. So then... We will see peace in that region in 2023, right? <laughs> mm, not so fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I Getting ahead of you myself. Knew that. <laughs> yeah. I was saying it and I didn't believe it as I was saying it. I gotcha. Well, I will say this the Kosovo Serbia relations are sort of a microcosm of Eastern Europe because it all centers around the number one geopolitical player in the region. Tiana, do you know that number one player in the region? Russia. That is Vladimir Putin's motherland, yes. Yes. So Russian President Vladimir Putin has compared the independence of Kosovo to that of Crimea, which I has been I bet con- he is. <laughs> yeah. Which has been controlled by Russian-backed separatists since 2014. Yeah. So there is a possibility for conflict in the region and and that if there is a conflict in Kosovo, it could spread to other parts of the Western Balkans or Eastern Europe. Right now, they have a NATO-led force of over 3,800 troops, which has been, to to date, has been adequate in keeping the peace in Kosovo. And it's it has stated that it is ready to act if stability is threatened, making this my number one event to watch in 2023, especially with Russia looking to other countries' militaries to help out in Ukraine. Well, thank you for that look into your crystal ball for 2023. Is there anything else for this week? I do have one thing that popped up today. I'm sure okay. you saw it. Another conflict that I think people need to start focusing on because it also has some ties to Russia, and that is the Greek turkey. Yeah. Which is not something on a menu. No. The Greek turkey. No. Oh my God. Not, a, not a sandwich. 
You are so silly. But it's it's this <laughs> conflict. There is the bad humor that everybody expects. That was the um, dad joke. Yes, coming out. But this a very uh, poor so one. <laughs> what happened today was the Turkish, the Greek Coast Guard shot fire or fi- fired shots, <laughs> shot fired. Yeah. At a a Turkish Coast Guard vessel that had <clears throat> creeped into the waterways of what Greece feels is their area of operation. So this is something that could be very important as we get later in the year in 2023. Didn't they try to ram a boat? Yep. Yep. Okay. They were uh, they were trying to get Wait. the Greece Coast Guard out of what Turkey considers their, their land or, or their waters. Their I waters, guess, yeah. Since they were in yeah. a boat. <laughs> Yeah, well, it all deals with a few islands off the coast between Greece and Turkey. And, and, uh, this is and the United States thinks that Greece has sovereignty over those islands. You got right? it. It's, not, it's yep. not disputed amongst... I mean, the only people who feel like it belongs to them are Turkey. Turkey, yeah. And they are, uh, they're another wild card because... Well, you know... We had some great questions in the comments about okay. what would happen in that. So if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it, go in the comments. There were great questions. I answered a few of those. Yeah. And I'll continue to answer them. Yeah, he will. Yeah. So. And, and after that, mm-hmm. we are now out of time. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Okay, well, as always, if you like this show, please try to tell at least one person about us. We can be found wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have a moment, head over to Apple or Spotify and give us a five-star review because those can help us get noticed by thousands of podcast listeners globally. And if you would like in-depth coverage of these stories and more, follow us on Instagram at oakwindanalytics.com. And don't forget, click at the link. Click the link on the top of our Instagram profiles so you can sign up with your email and have access to our newsletters that start going out next week, y'all. Yep. Monday, you'll get the first one. That could be your first decision-making process where you say, this is something I want to be a part of. <laughs> if you not. don't, there's the unsubscribe at the bottom. Yeah. Um, we, we're we not won't trying to force you. Yeah. We're not forcing it on anybody, but I, I do think people want to have more in-depth analysis. Yeah. Of- from voices that are not seasoned journalists that are trying to to make money. Also, we forgot to mention this, that we are going to have other analysts chime in, too. Oh, so Yes, we're going to have guest guest writers. Sorry, thank mm-hmm. you so much, Tiana, because yeah. uh, as you know, I've reached out to a few people who have already said they want to, to be a part of that. And mm-hmm. so you're going to get, that's what I talk about when I say I'm, I'm offering access to subject matter experts within the intelligence community. These are... <laughs> These are big brain people who big are brain. data yeah, scientists. Oh man, it's the full the full gamut. I mean, yeah. we have leaders in the soft community. We have tr- people who have traveled across every continent of the globe doing intelligence analysis. Yeah. And, and they want to offer their expertise to you guys. And I'm super excited about it. I really am. Uh, I hate that I'm doing this at the end of the yeah, podcast. Well, yeah. But that's what, yeah, you just said we were out of time and now we're rambling. So, yeah. let's... so I, I do want to say, and as always, I, I thank you, Tiana, and I want to thank everybody listening. 
Yes, um, thank honestly, you. Honestly, from the bottom of our hearts, we we say thank you to each one, each and every one of you who have listened, mm-hmm. uh, provided us with insights and provided us with questions, and and you really make you make us wake up and want to do this every day, and we just don't have the time to do that. <laughs> I really don't. Yeah, but. As I always say, and this is for for everybody, and this is my key phrase for 2023, stay safe out there.